0: knows a little bit about honor flight. A, he himself being a veteran, and also uh, whenever we take an honor flight to Washington, D.C., I have never gotten to the memorial that uh, Congressman Jim Banks and his family or people from his staff are with him, and they greet uh, our flight there uh, right when we start our tour for the day. Congressman Banks, good afternoon to you, sir.
1: Hey, Pat. Uh, Good to be with you. You you sound like I have sounded uh, for the last week. I I started to get the the uh, head cold on election night and I'm still trying to get over it and it sounds like you might have the you, you might have picked it up for me.
0: Yeah, the lovely Mrs. Miller calls it the creeping crud. That's what <laughs> she calls it. Well, um, I
1: hope you get well soon.
0: Well, I I will. I, and I'm really hoping I feel better by tomorrow cuz you know You've you've watched this kickoff pity pitch there at Shine and Harden and lighting that beautiful tree. We're going to have Santa and Mrs. Claus there. We're going to have uh, the Concordia High School Cadet Marching Band there. There's a member of your staff who used to be a quarterback uh, for – in fact, if he'll come out tomorrow evening for the lighting of the tree, I will make official on-the-air mention – of the number twenty-seven in his honor, and we'll let him figure out what well, that is. I've,
1: I've always heard he was a star quarterback, but he's the only one that told me. That's told me. That. <laughs> I'll
0: tell you one thing though about him: he is a and no kidding, absolutely a tremendous young man. You've got a lot of great people on your staff.
1: I really do. From Washington D.C. to Fort Wayne and the district staff, uh, we we have an all-star team. I'm I'm so proud of them, and especially this week we've had a. Busy long week, and and they they've they've served me very well. So, and most of them, Pat. By the way, the reason that they're all stars because most of them come from Indiana, and uh, that that's that's what makes them all. Uh, they all have a vested interest in serving Northeast Indiana because most of us come from there.
0: Right. Well, you know, uh, with uh, Tanner, who is your office director here, and and you know, um, and then uh, all the other great people here in the Fort Wayne office. And then, um, I got to tell you, David Keller is one of the greatest chief of staffs I think I've ever met, regardless of what staff he's chief of. He just is a straight shooter, and he's on top of everything. I mean, absolutely everything. I can't bring up a subject that he doesn't know what I'm talking about.
1: Well, I I couldn't do it without him, and, and, uh, you know, he was with me from the beginning. He was my campaign. He was my friend, and then he was my campaign manager, and he's been with, with me in Washington all six years that I've served out here, I always tell people we used to be friends. Now, now we work together, but we we used to be friends before we got into this. And I, I really couldn't do it without him. You're, you're right; he's exceptional yep. Yep. in his role as the chief of staff from Tanner Spencer in the district, and ev- everyone serving across the board. Um, as we, you know, as we thinking about Thanksgiving next week, I'm I'm so thankful for the the team that we have in our offices. Serving the district, I couldn't do it without him.
0: Well, you know, and Landon Porter, who's a terrific young man too. I first met Landon a few years back when I was boarding a plane in Fort Wayne to head down to Orlando for the um, for the uh, event going on down there for um, you know Americans for Prosperity, and he was with them as their Fort Wayne liaison. And then a couple of years later, he migrated to your staff. And man, what a great addition he was.
1: Yep, you're you're going through the list. uh, Just a Uh, Landon Porter. He's just a he's a hustler, and you know the neat thing about it is, Pat. They all all these guys that work for me, and and uh, and the and the women too. They all they all love their jobs. I mean, doesn't feel like a job. We get to get up every day and serve the district, serve the people, work on conservative issues, be be advocates for our conservative values in Washington D.C. It's it you know most days that can be a lot of fun. It doesn't feel like a job. So we're we're very honored and. I'm blessed with those who uh, join me in the in the fight.
0: Well, uh, yeah, and I, I am going to get a hold of uh, Tanner. I think this evening to see if he wants to slide out to Shine and Harden tomorrow. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll do all that. Well, Congressman, I don't think there's any question that a week ago, uh, you and I, were somewhat let down that the, everything on the election did not pan out as we had thought it might. Uh, that having been said, I've done a lot of examination, and it seems to me you and I and others might wish that we had a little bit more result on election night uh, all across the country. I don't think it could have gone much better in Indiana's 3rd District. Uh, but even with uh, e- even with the coming up a bit short from what we thought might happen on election night, uh, we still are in a position now to where those of you in the House – uh, stand ready to be a speed bump, a roadblock, uh, a check and balance against a lot of this nonsense that the president does uh, there. And he seems to be think that it's kind of the Obama uh, mentality. He seems to think just because he can pick up a pen and it says President of the United States, that whatever he puts his signature to, that makes it so. Everything a guy can sign as an executive order doesn't mean that's how that works in the United States. You need legislation.
1: Yeah, it shouldn't work that way. And we have a we have a president and uh, and a, a Democrat party that has tried to do uh, everything that they want to do, a part of their radical agenda, through executive order. And we had a Congress that went along with it of the you know Democrat majorities in the House and the Senate who have gone along with it. So uh, on January third, Republicans will have the majority in the House. It will be a razor thin. A historically small majority, but we will be the last line of defense against the radical Biden agenda. So we have to do everything we can to block it, to stop them from passing their their dangerous bills. They're going to try to do a lot of damage in this upcoming lame duck session. They want to pass amnesty for millions of illegals. They want to codify Roe v. Wade um, and even go beyond that to, to legalize some of the more radical abortion, um, uh, policies, uh, that they believe in, uh, they want to pass another $40 billion in aid to Ukraine and $10, 10000000000 billion for more COVID excessive COVID spending. Uh, the Democrats, we just got through the election. They lost the majority, but they're going to try to pass all of that over the next six weeks, uh, before Republicans take control. So we got to block it. But then when we get the majority, we got to use our, our, majority to stop them at that point, too, and I I promise the district I'm going to be uh, fighting every step of the way just to do that.
0: Yeah, we've got to unwind some of that nonsense, and uh, I mean, we really, really do, Uh, and we need to take care of that. Well, the president had his speech night before last, and in my thinking back to it, Congressman Banks, it was really an unprecedented announcement, maybe not always even in just the scope of it. But the fact that 14 months, 14 to 15 months before the primary season kicks off in earnest and about two years before the next general election to have a previous president of the United States come out and to make a broad national announcement that he, in fact, was running again um, was kind of amazing to me. And, And I think it set the people in the room with him. It set them you know, on end, and they were just incredible. But I'm not sure that everybody received it, maybe to the extent that he thought that they should. Uh, I think he—look, I have great respect for Donald Trump and what he accomplished. I don't know that everybody, and your humble host included, I don't know that we all stand ready to now, this far out, uh, take all of the cockles of our— wherewithal and throw it at his feet and say, yeah, okay, we're going to be with you again. I don't know that I'm ready for that. And I'm not really quite sure yet that Republicans all across the country are ready for that.
1: Well, you know, it's incredible. We just got through last Tuesday's election and now the 2024 presidential cycle has begun. So we're going to be, we're going to be talking about that for the next uh, two years, the primary for the next uh, 14, 15 months. Um, so here, here we go. At the end of the day, though, we got to do everything we can to win back the White House. We have to grow the majority in the House, win back the majority in the Senate. We're going to have the opportunities to do that in the 2024 cycle. So there's a there's going to be a lot of work to do. President Trump has kicked off his campaign. He's the first one on the Republican side to announce. I still have a lot of doubt that Joe Biden uh, will run again in spite of what he's saying. Really good news today that uh, America is done with Speaker Pelosi, as she announced her retirement. Yes. So did Steny Hoyer. So did, so did Jim Clyburn, the number three Democrat yep. leader in the House. So the, the Democrats are undergoing a a generational change in their House leadership. Uh, they know that Nancy Pelosi is a big uh, political liability to them. So she's, she's leaving her position as Speaker of the House, but she says she's not going away as a rank-and-file member. So we'll see what that looks like.
0: Well, do you think? Do you think part of that? Of I, I mentioned that about an hour ago, Congressman. Excuse me for cutting in, but the first thing that struck me on that is that she had made the made the announcement that she and everybody knew that she had kind of approached the White House about, hey, what if I become, you know, U.S. ambassador to Italy or to uh, the the Vatican or something? Well, the very fact that she's now saying she's going to hang around and, and be in Congress. It, is that a sign that the White House did not necessarily take her up on her generous offer?
1: Maybe, uh, or maybe she's uh, got a deal with the White House to wait. I, I don't really know. I, I I don't believe anything that she says. I mean, I'm I'm just glad that she's not going to be the the speaker any longer and do further damage uh, to our country and to the institution of the Congress. So uh, her time has come and and gone. And uh, you know, think about uh, I was I, I read this earlier today that. When she became the Speaker of the House the first time, the national debt was $9 trillion. Today, it's $31 trillion. So she's done enough damage. Thank God she's moving on. Also, by the way, she grew her net worth, uh, her personal net worth, individually by $120 million. That's how much money she made being the Speaker of the House. So
0: That's a little above uh, her salary level, isn't it?
1: That's, a, that's quite a bit more than the salary of a <laughs> member of Congress. So somehow she's figured that out. But may. She, she says she's sticking around. I don't. I don't believe much of what she says. Maybe she sticks around long enough to to get that gig as an ambassador to somewhere, the sweetheart deal, or use um, her power, use abuse her power for a little bit longer. But um, at the end of the day, she's no longer going to be the speaker. And made that made yeah. that announcement today.
0: Yeah. not a whole lot of tears around here for that, by the way. Let, <laughs> let me circle back with you real quick uh, to something that came out in my view from the president's speech, uh, President Trump, uh, in his announcing. First of all, I think his tone seemed to be much more subdued. It felt, whether it was or not, slightly more presidential, and it wasn't like this acerbic yelling, pointing, screaming thing. It was much more subdued. Um, I, th- I thought he's making a strong effort to be forward-thinking, but to me the hit of the whole thing, and, and, and if you know by virtue of the fact that tomorrow we're we're kicking off penny pitch for honor flight thinking of veterans that he said he wanted to bring back everybody who lost their military jobs because of covid and because of vaccine mandates and not just bring them back and hand them their military jobs back but to make up the income they lost i thought that was enormous yeah
1: i i thought that was a powerful moment of the speech as well and and uh, when we get the majority back, we to have an opportunity to put language in the next defense bill to to do that. But um, that, you know, his campaign promise was was powerful to make that happen. So I'm I'm glad that he's taken that on as a mission,
0: sir. Thank you very much for taking time to talk to uh, the froggy fat man here in Fort Wayne, and uh, <laughs> and. Uh... And and you tell Tanner Spencer I'm going to come looking for him tomorrow. So uh, you
1: got it. Yeah. Get well, Pat. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good uh, weekend. I don't know if we'll be talking next week because of Thanksgiving. But happy Thanksgiving to you and all of your listeners.
0: To you and Amanda and the girls, have a blessed Thanksgiving, sir. And we appreciate you very much and your prayerful consideration of all that you do for us. Thank you, sir. Have a great evening. Have a good day.
1: Podcasts by Federated Media.